This is Three Valleys Radio. The heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room And it's time for another of our In Conversation series. In this town You're out of luck Each week we catch up with a present or former Yobotown player or a celebrity fan to discuss their life within the sport. And we catch up with a bit of their favourite music as well. And this week we managed to catch up with Terry Skillerton again and finish off his interview, which we started a couple of weeks ago. Right, well, Terry, the last time we spoke, we got up to uh, uh, promotion into the uh, Football League for the first time for 208 years. What can you remember about the first uh, the first season in uh, Coca-Cola League 2? No, I think it was Division 3 in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I, it, was a, it was a bit of a frustrating one for me because um, throughout that whole season, uh, I didn't realise, but I played with a, a, structure in my, uh, sorry, a fracture in my foot. Right. Uh, and we didn't know what it was, so I kept having this pain and... I think it got to about halfway through the season and it was every time I got up in the morning I couldn't even walk down the stairs. So and for the life of me we we, we went and had uh scans and you know, MRIs and X and then nothing was picking it up and then um I think it was at the end of that year when we got promoted, I went away, uh, me, Darren, um I think it was Lee Johnson as well. We got selected to play for the the England non league team. Yeah. And I remember the, they, they sent and one of the physiotherapists there just said that it might be something to do with a, there's a thing on your foot called a Taylor Dome. Right. And, and um, yeah, so they went and they did this x-ray, but it was right down the middle of my foot. And it was, uh, and then uh, news was like terrible. It was either I was like, going to have to take a little bit of the bone out and then grow it in a culture and put it back in. And that was going to take six to eight months. Oh, God. Or... Yeah, or I needed to go in and have the whole sur- surface area taken out, and then it would be sort of two months, three months. So um, I went and got the second one. I thought I'll have a little gamble up. I didn't want to be out for that long because I thought mm. that could have finished me off as my career. So I went and had that done, and then I wasn't fit for the first game against. I think it was Rochdale. That's right. Yeah, so, it was, uh, yeah. I-, I remember. Um, yeah, I remember going and. Uh, really being frustrated because I was going to miss the, 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 the beginning of the season and not being able to, you know, on the back of such a good year for us, not being able to lead the club into the football league. So, yeah, yeah, um, so it was it was frustrating, especially that first bit. And then when I was trying to come back from the injury, it wasn't really working, and I was still playing whilst you know just in pain all the time. So it was it was a bit of a rocky start, but you know we had a good. We had a good second half of that season. I think I remember. Did we miss out the playoffs by one point? I think wasn't it? I think it was more goal difference from, from memory. Anyway, I remember. I think, what... Yeah, it was. I remember because it was. Oh, it was a. It was a nightmare. The, the last game. I remember we played against Lincoln. That's right. We needed yeah. To score. Yeah. Uh, I think we needed to score four or five goals, and we went for it. And um, yeah, I always remember after the game, um, their supporters ran on the pitch. I think they'd been either in the playoffs. I think it was. Yeah. And. Um, 
one of their fans ran up and spat in Gavin Williams' face. So oh, he was nearly in on the pitch. Yeah. And it was quite intimidating, really. There was like, you know, you had hundreds of people running on and they were getting up in your face. And, you know, I think Gav was trying to run after the fella and like, was trying to get hold of him and see if we could, if we could give him a couple of sly slaps while he was coming off the pitch. So, um, but it was, no, it was, it was, it was a frustrating year because I feel that, you know, if, if we'd have got things together a little bit earlier, um, we might have got into them playoffs, but it wasn't meant to be. And it was a nice, it was nice for us to go into the league and not struggle because a lot of people said, um, with the size of our squad, with the teams that we were going to come up against, that we, we would struggle in League Two. And, uh, and we didn't. So it was, it was mm. good to prove a lot of people wrong. But then the next season, of course, uh, we were, were champions, which was, uh, which was amazing, really, after just, just one year in the Football League and we suddenly champions of the league. Uh, what do you remember about that season? Yeah, I think, you know, this is where, um, I think it was when Phil Jevons came in, didn't he, that yeah, year? So, yeah. um, we, we, the squad went so far with the, um, you know, coming from the conference and then going into the league. And I think Gary knew that he had to start, um, you know, upgrading and bringing people in that um, was either coming from Premier League teams or getting them from higher leagues. And he really... You know, we, we we just started to. It needed that little bit of a shot in the arm, and I can remember Phil Jevons coming in, and he was like one of the best finishers finishers I'd ever seen in training. But he took that into the games, mm. where I see a lot of people when they love doing this unopposed finishing after training, and they're hitting the balls in the corners, in the top corners. But before you get that shot, normally you've got to have either have movement to lose a man to get there, or you've got to take somebody on on a one v one. It's either creating space or not just getting the ball out of your feet and shooting with nobody in front of you. And Phil Jevons was always working on the little movements to get away from defenders, facing them up and finding the bottom corners. And he was he was one of the people that put into practice that we did in training and he would make sure that he got into them positions on a Saturday. And, you know, I remember we had some really fantastic performances that year. I think it was in Oxford, I think, I remember beating them. And I think Cambridge, we, we, we gave them a little bit of a hiding. So it was really, um, it, it was a real good positive season and it was one where you could see that this team and the group that Gary had put together, it really had legs in it and it had legs to go from, you know, uh, conference League Two to League One and that was where, um, you know, it was going to be a real test of our, of our character was getting promoted and then getting up another division to be with the teams that are either teams that had, that had flirted with the championship all the best teams in League Two. So for us, it was a, a, a we're going to places now where they're getting sevens and eight thousands, ten thousands every week. So it was a real big, it was a big jump for us. But it was one that you know the club could do with the safety of knowing that we was we was now going to become um, quite a force in the lower league. Now for another one of Terry's epic choice of music, and this time we've got "Crazy Love" by M. J. Cole. <laughs> Talking love, love, mm. this man. 
Crazy love, but of course, where the where the I won't say problems came in, but obviously um, we finished fifteenth in League One that particular season, two or five six. But of course, Gary left, which kind of um, uh, I suppose it's fair to say upset the momentum a little bit. Would you say? Yeah, I think at the time Gary felt that he needed to kick on again, and we needed to bring more players in. I remember he was trying to get, uh, I think it was Grant Holt at the time and uh, David Graham. Yeah. 
and it was like it was like four or five players that he, he wanted to sort of bring in to take us to the next stage to see if we could get into the playoffs of League One and maybe get promoted out of that into the Championship. And I think the the the, the club at the time were just really enjoying the the success that we'd had, and it was always that didn't really want to go to the next level, didn't really want to you know exert ourselves and and as a football club go beyond our means to, to, to chase that next level. Yeah. yeah. And the club's, the club's always been one that uh, didn't really want to... It was always, you know, they, it, it's tough to say, but the club likes to accumulate without speculating, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, so it, yeah. So it, was all, it was always Gary pulling rabbits out of hats and uh, finding somebody that no one else had seen but when you get to certain levels, that doesn't work. Mm, no. You can't you can't keep you can't take three or four boys out of the non league at League One and then expect to be to be challenging. Everybody that you're coming up against is an experienced player, they're either gonna be one of the best players in League Two or they're gonna be people that have dropped out of the championship. So League One at that time, I think they had there were some big clubs, it was like Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday. Um, there was a lot of the clubs that had been up to the championship that was down in League One at the time. Leeds United was had... another one, wasn't it? Pardon? Leeds United, another one that was there. Yeah, Leeds was there. So it was like there was real big clubs. So what you couldn't do is the the sort of method and the module that had got us to where we had, we'd got to wasn't going to take us further. And it, and it needed it. We really did need to speculate, put some money in, and some real sort of almost severe financial clout needed to come into the football club to drive it on and it and it, it it didn't happen and I think Gary got not frustrated but I think he knew as far as what, what the club was going to go and I think there was maybe one or two of the big clubs that really was wanting because his stock was really high mm. and, and a team like Bristol City for our big day are it was yeah, you know, it was it was a no brainer, and it was it was a decision where he couldn't turn it down. No, and everybody understood that. And um, you know, unfortunately for us, as soon as he went to Bristol City, then I think Jevo went. I think Liam Fontaine that we had on loan uh, ended up going across to Bristol. Chris Wheel, uh, Chris Wheel, Lee Johnson. It was almost like a little bit of a um, a fire sale where he, he he took a lot of our. Our players, a lot of our players started to move on. Darren Way left and went to Swansea. I remember the next. So then it was a it was a rebuild. Mm, yeah, you know, so it needed it needed somebody new to come in, um, somebody different. And I, I think I remember Steve Thompson was he took over for a little while, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. And then Russell Slade and, came uh, in. Yeah, but he, listen, Steve done a great job and kept us up at the end of that year. I remember we played. I think it was Huddersfield away. Yeah, I remember. And we it. needed a result that. Yeah. And we needed a result that game, and um, Phil Jevons you know, scored we, the goal, I think, didn't he? From memory, yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, I think we drew, and we, uh, mm. and, it, and it kept our safe, uh, our safety. So Steve done a, a fantastic job in in really picking up the reins and making sure that the club was a League One club because I think with the wrong hands, um, we could have, you know, we we could have got relegated that year, and uh, and Steve done a fantastic job stepping in and and making sure that he kept it all calm didn't do drastic decision making and um yeah it was a real real steady influence on the squad we all knew him and um yeah it was that was a big job that was a big job he had there and he handled the pressure very well more music now this time we've got soul to soul and back to life <laughs> 
soul there and back to life so that that brought uh, russell slade to the club in 2006 and of course that particular season we finished fifth and got in the playoffs and actually got to the playoff final uh, and of course it included that game against nottingham forest i mean i'm sure that must be high in your memory list yeah i mean it was 
it was probably one of my best seasons uh, as an individual because that was where Russell came in and he, I think Steve Steve Thompson had brought Chris Cohen in. Yeah. Um, I had a part in bringing Chris Cohen in, who's, who's our, probably our most um, successful player that we got in, where you talk about pulling rabbits out of hats. Yeah, that was one, uh, wasn't it? Brought him in for nothing and end up selling him and Darren Davis for a fortune. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the biggest price tags the club's ever ever had for selling players. So it was it, again. It was it was back to the the module of um, bringing in clever free signings. Russell had uh, some very good recruitment that year, and I think we hit it really well with the loans. Yeah. Remember Leon Best coming in, Martin yeah. Craney, yeah, um, and they came in at the right time, and we had. You know, it was a good infrastructure that was that was already here at the football club, and it was one of them seasons when everything just seemed to, you know, it seemed to gather a little bit of momentum. And I was always, you know, really proud of that season right up until the end bit because of, um, you know, I got voted into the League One Team of the Year. So that was a personal, that was a highlight for me. Yeah, quite. Um, but but we, I remember we played Doncaster out, and we needed to, I think we needed to, we needed to do well to make sure that. We were still in the playoffs, we were in and around the playoffs. And I remember I, I, my groin was a little bit tight. And I remember playing in that game and uh, I shouldn't have played really. And I ended up tearing my groin and it was just before the, the playoffs. Yeah. So it was a real, it, on the back of having such a good season, it was a real disappointment for me that I would, you know, go on to miss the playoffs. And, um, you know, unfortunately not be, well, I was available for the final, but, you know, not, not deemed fit enough by the management team to to you know to, yeah. to participate which must have been a, a huge disappointment to you I would imagine um, you know Wembley playoff final it's, that's something special isn't it yeah well I'd, I'd wrote myself off and you know the management team along with the um, physio team at the time was saying after we got through because it was it was amazing I mean the second the second night um away at Nottingham Forest when we turned up and they were selling all the Wembley flag, uh, scarves and flags and they thought they were there already. Mm. And for uh, It was just a magical night. I mean, it was one of the best performances I'd seen a, a Yeovil Town team. Uh, it, it is the best performance I've ever seen to come, to come from behind and end up scoring so many goals and the calibre of the play and the goals, it was a joy to watch. And, um, you know, that was why I thought, you know, Scott Scott Guy and Terrell Forbes was immense at the back. Marcus Stewart was on fire that night just showing you. I remember Andy Lindegaard putting in a, a world-class cross for Marcus Stewart to score. Lee Morris was just a constant threat. I'm, I think five or six of their players had cramp because we just ran them into the ground. Aaron yeah. Davis, yeah. you know, Chris... It was, you could just go through that whole team knowing that it, it was it was the best performance that I'd I'd ever seen um, and ever been you know a part of. Although I wasn't fit, but then after that game, as we were travelling back, the, again the, the staff asked me to um, if I could be available for the final, and I just said, look, for me personally, I, I, if I'm not fit and I'm, I, I don't think I can start, then and then it was just well. If you have this injection in your groin, which was, you know, it was it was a dangerous thing to do to get cortisone in a torn groin. Mm. Um, they, they actually did say to me, look, if if you if you do that, whether we're winning or losing, we're we're going to need you, so we'll bring you on. So I went down to Southampton, had this injection in three different parts of my groin, yeah. trained three days leading up to the final. I think I paid five six hundred pounds for tickets for my family. 
And the, I think the biggest disappointment was that I didn't get on. You know, after yeah. the season that I'd had, help them get there. And um, that, that was a real sort of bugbear of mine yeah. after my career. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it was really really the same after that. That next season, then it was... Um, again, I don't think the budget really stretched to go for it. Um, there was there was problems that year, and it, it wasn't quite the same with me and the staff after that. I felt a little bit let down when... You know, you've, you've mm. gone there, your family's there. It was my only chance to actually be involved in a Wembley final as a player. Yeah. And then, you know, to be told you're going to play and then you don't play, yeah. that was probably one of my lowest moments in football, even lower than, you know, being released by football clubs because mm. you build your hopes up, you're, you're involved in it, where I think before the game, if I just wouldn't have been involved, I could have handled that, but... Yeah, no, I didn't, and I, I always remember after that. I sort of, you know, I'd let myself down. I think the next day I went out and, you know, got into a little bit of trouble. I mean, it's quite well publicised, um, but it was it was on the back of probably one of my worst days in football. So, you know, but you learn your lessons, don't you? You know, nobody mm. um, nobody comes through with these things unscathed, and um, yeah, it was a lesson learned. And you know, I think later on. Sort of made up for that experience being part of a, a management team that that got to win there, but we'll probably come to that in a little while. Time for some more music now, and this time we've got with a bit of luck from DJ Luck and MC Neat. <laughs> With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. We done the falsified. We done falsified. We done falsified. Hello with the rinsing sound, 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 hello with the mixing sound, hello with the rinsing sound, hello with the mixing sound. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. With a little bit of luck, we can make it through the night. 
Hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the mixing sound, hollow with the rinsing 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 sound, hollow with the mixing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the mixing, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the mixing sound, hollow with the rinsing 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 sound, hollow with the mixing sound, hollow with the rinsing sound, hollow with the mixing sound. with a bit of luck there from uh, DJ Luck and MC Neat. Well, then, the next season, we finished 18th in the league. Um... Obviously, I suppose it was an achievement to make sure we stayed in the league, but um, you know, not the greatest of season. And then the following year, you suddenly ended up as manager at the club. I mean, that must have been a, a bit of a thrill for you, wasn't it? It wasn't a thrill, no. If, I, if I'm perfectly honest with you, uh, it was a scenario that was. I think Russell was struggling. Um, it, it'd just been on the back of a really good run, to be fair. I think it got a little bit stressed between the and the ball. All upstairs yeah. again. It was it was that thing where I think as a manager you're always trying to push push the ball to try and gain more finances to to help get yourselves out of problems and out of trouble. And um, you know the module again seemed to sort of come back and haunt us where we needed to rejuvenate, regalvanise, and we didn't. And uh, unfortunately, that was sort of at the end for Russell Slade I remember Steve Thompson stepping into the role for a couple of games and then um, yeah I got called up to a meeting with the owners and uh, yeah I think the rest was history I, I thought they was going to ask me to see who I thought or if it, whoever the manager was going to be just to, to meet him and then in a roundabout way they, they just asked me if I, if I would take the job you, so, and, you uh, and Nathan wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. It was. They asked me to be the manager, and um, uh, and it, and looking back on it now, I think when you when you look about, if you look at sustainability in football and in management and in leadership, um, if you're the captain of a warship, you've got to go through rank, and you need to go through um, learning. And, um, you know, there's got to be learning behind you in leadership and decision-making tactics and everything before you get the keys to that warship. Football's a little bit different. You can be a player one week and the next week you've actually on that warship having to now go into battles. And um, I wasn't quite prepared for it. I didn't have the right kind of experience. I mean, God bless him, Nathan Jones was playing and trying to be an assistant manager. My goalkeeping coach was Ben Roberts, who was uh, who was on the bench. We didn't really have an experienced guy around us at the time that can, you know, like a that Lenny Lawrence, David Pleat, yeah. you know, somebody that can sit above and just give you them. And it was a, it was a whirlwind experience. It was one that I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the first time, um, but we, it was it was very much week to week where we was just trying to survive. And um, I think the seasons that 
we had at Yeovil, we had to think outside the box because obviously the um, with the finances of the football club, first-time manager doesn't really push like a Russell would or a Gary Johnson would. No. So in the end, you just get you just got to get on with what you've got to get on with with the budget and there were cuts and that's why we had to think outside the box. And I remember having um, to go down to Tottenham, Arsenal, and start looking at the best younger ones that were under the radar and. Um, that's where we started the, the the experiments with the loans and bringing in the sort of best in the country uh, under 21s you know we had some we had some clever loan signings and some I had to go and get some free signings and that's where this module started of, of what's been happening in recent years with ending up having seven and eight really young players that were that are underqualified and maybe three or four experienced ones and we'd sort of been stumbling on this module for for a few years and it was very it was very short term because if the players they were signing them on one year contracts if the players did well they'd leave and if the players um, wasn't so good then they had to leave but well, I mean look at, looking back at though Terry you had some some great signings, you know, John O'Beeka, um, Andros Townsend, Ryan Mason, Steve Corker. I mean, they were some damn good players and, you know, they really did well for us, I thought. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the seasons that, that I did have when I was sort of in charge. We finished, I think it was, I think it was it seventh, uh, 18th, Seven, 17th, 17th, 15th and 14th. Yeah, so in the three years, there wasn't, um, there was always, there was progression in it, but it wasn't as in we was going to be hitting the, the, the playoffs anytime soon. Mm. But what, what I was able to do was bring in some very good younger players, people like Luke Aylin, uh Paul Huntingdon, yeah. um, Ed Upson. So there was, um, whilst also when I first took over, having to sell Danny Schofield, Lee Peltier, Craig Alcock, you know, couldn't mm. afford to keep Paul Warren, Andy Welsh had left at the time. Then having to bring in replacements, brought in Sean McDonald um, on loan again, people like Dean Bowditch, yeah. um, Stephen Henderson, Alex McCarthy. So it was always, it was like a revolving door of players. Yeah. And we couldn't really build a squad that we that we could really kick on. Because I remember Dean Bowditch scored, I think it was 15 goals, 10, 15 goals for us. And it was a really good, but he was going to leave at the end of that season. We couldn't keep him. And it was always that thing of the turnover of players meant you had to start again. Yeah. So yeah. under me, we'd always have a, a slow start to the beginning of the season. And then afterwards, we would um, and we would always pick up in that second half when the squad started getting together. So it was it, it was frustrating, but that was where I was in the in the the pyramid of management. So more music now with flowers by Nathan Dor. I'll bring you flowers in the pouring rain. Some stay until the day we throw it all away. Let's talk about it, cause I can't go without it in love. So much to me, can't you see? Right here, I'll always be. And by the way, can I say that I am here to stay? Right here beside you, I will never deny you my love. You're everything to me, can't you see? I'll give it to you unselfishly because I need you so. Oh, baby, and I will never ever let
this girl inside the venue. Michelin star, I like the menu. You're a cook, I around the night was on me. Might want you, yeah, if you want me. Didn't get home till quarter past three. You can get a son and daughter off me. You're a got you purple flowers and green. We can stay up all night and get lean. I can give things to you that you dream. Might go hard on a brand new team and I'll stand in a pouring rain for ya. And I'll change my stupid ways for ya. Cause your love sends me crazy, I just never ever let me go. Flowers by Nathan Dore. But I, I tell you something, whilst you were struggling, uh, you know, downstairs with the management of the club, if I had this conversation once, I must have had it 10 times with John Fry. Come on, AD, we need to get another half a million pounds revenue in. What can we come up with? It came up every single year I worked there, and it was always going to yeah. be, a, a, you know, a, a, a stone round your neck, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and it was, listen, that, it's just where the club, if you get in. If you're getting three, four thousand, you're not gonna. It doesn't matter how much money you're gonna put in. You're not gonna compete with Charlton's, no. Sheffield United, no. Sheffield Wednesday. You know, you're not. You're not competing with them, and that's mm-hmm. yeah. But um, but you know, sort of carrying on from there. Um, 2011-12. Um, suddenly at Christmas time, all things changed again, and Gary Johnson's back on the scene. Yeah, well, you know, I think after a, a lot of self-reflection, I realised that. Um, I think we was we, again. We had a slow start to the season. You, you, I was close on. I think it was a month shy of three years. It was about 160 games that I'd done. Yeah. And um, I think Gary came down to watch a game, and obviously he was, he was chatting with the owners, and um, they wanted they wanted to try and bring um, bring that experience back. And I think at the time I was, you know, I was an A licensed coach thrown into it, coming up against teams like Southampton, Leicester. Charlton, uh, who else did we have? I think it was a, uh, Huddersfield, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United. There were so many big teams. I remember going away to Southampton and Ricky Lambert was playing. And Ricky Lambert, price tag of how much they paid was more than our budget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I remember coming on the way back and, you know, I was getting pelters because we hadn't got a result against Southampton away. So it was, um, it, it was, it was almost coming to a little bit of a, it, it was coming to an end. The, the supporters was wanting something new. They was wanting change. And I remember getting a, um, having a meeting with the, with the chairman and him saying that they'd, they'd been speaking to Gary and, um, you know, they'd offered him the sort of the role, but Gary said he wouldn't, he wouldn't come unless I stayed. And, and been a part of staff of working with him and um, 
and would I go and see Gary? So I went and met Gary in a, a hotel. It was a Holiday Inn in Taunton. I remember we sat there for about eight hours, and it was <laughs> we just talked about everything where yeah. where I'd uh, where I'd got to, how ready I thought I was for management, um, how I could evolve, how I could develop without maybe being right on the front line. Yeah, and um, I was only I was only three years into my coaching and management journey which was right at the start. And, um, you know, we, we, we sat, we talked, and you know, at first your ego kicks in. And because I was at that stage of, you know, reflecting on myself and realising that I might have to move on anyway, um, the timing of Gary coming in was perfect because I could take a step back. I could get on my courses, which I got ended up getting on and getting onto the pro license, going out and, and really learning my craft and learning management, leadership, decision making. Yeah. Whilst not being on the front line, getting all the bullets and the, the arrows pointed at you. Mm. And it was a good, it was a great learning curve because I felt I felt that I'd sort of got a good nucleus of younger players. Gary came in and the, the first thing he done was because they wanted him to come back. He put he put the foot down, put a little bit of pressure on and. You know, then we was able to go and get people like James Hayter, Jamie McAllister, um, Marek Steck. Uh, we got Byron Webster. So then I think the club realised where it was and where it was going. And that little bit of investment came in. And Gary was really clever in the way that, you know, we brought in, I think it was Dan Byrne. Mm -hmm. Remember me and, me, and, uh, me and Gary going to Brentford. We was playing against Carlisle. And uh, we went and watched him out of the game. We, we both really liked Paddy Madden, who was... Yeah, he had a sort of air. He had an air about him, and the way that he chased people down, the way that he ran. They actually got beat. Uh, Carlisle got beat. I think it was four-one that night by Brentford, and Brentford was on fire. Paddy hardly got a touch, but he just reminded us both of uh, Adam Stansfield in the way that he ran after the ball and his infectious enthusiasm. I think he had maybe one or two chances that he created for himself. So we ended up doing the deal to take him. I think it was. Yeah, it might have been the, the week after. Yeah, and um, and then we didn't look back. That whole sort of second half um, of that next season, it was just you know, it, it was just one of them things where everything sort of took shape, everything came together, and um, no, it was it was it was definitely up there with the highlight of my of my career being involved in that year. More music now, and this one's called Twenty One Seconds, and it's from So Solid Crew. Never gonna stop. I got 21 seconds to flow. I got 21 seconds to go. 
Cause if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me in the video? Oh no, did you see me in the video? Oh no So if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me on the video? Oh no, did you see me on the video? Oh no So if you like me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go 21 seconds Seconds to chat this way in time. First of all, I'm gonna pick up the ladies looking slender and fine. Mm, mine, don't give me no deadline. Give me some more time. Give me 29 seconds to chat this rhyme. I bet MCs wait in line. I bought the match 21. I got 21 seconds, I'm focus done. Two multiplied by 10 plus one. Romeo done. I got 21 seconds to pass the mic. I got 21 seconds to say what I gotta say. But you won't let me anyway. Now I won't hesitate. So solid crew is here to stay. We're gonna get back to the top of it. Me so solid vampire, see me on the deli, face huh? getting popular. What? Some are chat shitting her, no disrespect in your dress is my clicking her. Raise up the dead in her, wash up the devil, red is my best color. So solid we are players, instigators, give me a girl make her famous. I send her back to you, she's getting papers, 21 seconds to get papers. What's the police, it's a mind free, cause I got a key, to the method on my pain, can you feel me? Trends are not changed, I ain't the winner, uh, 21 seconds, the more better. I, you don't know, you, you don't know. Songs on the crew, we run the show And if you don't know, please let me know, please let me know Scanty, don't snitch, no need to go to the fence to get bitch I just lay on the track and insert the hit And get paid all day long I got 21 seconds to flow I got 21 seconds to go Cause if you let me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me on the video? Oh no, did you see me on the video? Oh no So if you let me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go Did you see me on the video? Oh no, did you see me on the video? Oh no So if you let me, let me know, let me in the studio I got 21 seconds before I got to go 21 seconds 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 solid crew there and 21 seconds and of course not only was it up there but we got to the playoff final again yeah i mean it was i think people don't people don't realize but um the work that went into the the semi-finals uh, us going uh, we was away to sheffield united yeah and i remember ed upson let a man go afterwards and all i would say is that it would uh, the video after the game i think the 
Stuart Housley had to cut the footage because <laughs> Gary Johnson nearly killed Ed Upson afterwards. I think yeah. if he'd have had a if he'd have had a gun or something, Ed, Ed Upson would have been dead. <laughs> so it was. Uh, I yeah. remember we had a doctor. I think it was a female doctor. She had to jog out of the changing room because it got very very heated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Gary was very clever at using that because he used that in the second game for Ed to make up for it, and in the end, Ed ended up getting an assist and the winning goal. So yeah. it was yeah. uh, it was clever. But special mentions got to go to you know the I've not mentioned so far along this but um and he probably isn't the sort of flavor of people's lip at the moment but was darren way um the work that he'd done behind the scenes with the analysis leading up to it and the amount of hours that he put in and the detail that he put in i mean he was working 24 hours a day just to give us the best information that um you know gary and myself could use going into the games and um it was it was a real sort of collaborative effort from all of that staff to get us through. And then in the final, it just went up another knot. You know, we, we went into the detail of how, where we would sit, how we would, um, how we would walk out, what order we'd walk out in the final. Hmm. Um, the build-up we went to QPR then we went to Chelsea so that the lads had a surrounding behind it and um, you know the work I think the three of us did the motivational side from Gary Darren with working out I remember the morning we got up before we did the set plays and we was going through how they set up they, they marked zonally yeah, and um, we did we did the the work we did that afternoon. It's on the I think it's on the DVD. If you actually look at the work that went in with Darren with the analysis, me and Gary actually taking the session, putting the 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 players into the place, and we actually won the game off of that. Where Uwe Rosler, coming from a, a different country, Germany, really believed in the zonal defence marking at corners, and we exploited it with Dan Byrne at the far post that ended up with Adam Forshaw. That then he nods the ball down, and even to this day, James Ayer says he got a little touch on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I've looked at the video myself, and it's so hard to tell. It does look like he did, to be fair, but I don't know. I wasn't yeah. actually out so of the, the pitch. The work, the work, the work that went into that was. There was no stone left unturned and the whole build up to that final was, you know, something that will stay with me for the rest of my life and it will be hard, you know, from now on in a, in a management capacity to, to be involved in something because Brentford had four or five times our budget. Yeah. And on that day, it just felt like we just felt like we were going to win. And, and, and at Yeovil, we've had that a few times before. And, you know, I think throughout Gary's um, really long career in football and everything that he's achieved, I think that topped everything, even getting promoted into the Football League. I think all the work he'd done with Bristol City, um, even with Torquay, I feel that year, well, it culminated him getting manager of the year. And that was, um, yeah. and Eddie Howe would won it with Bournemouth at a canter. So it shows you how all the other managers felt that he'd done that season as well. And, you know, it was really, it just shows how humble he is when he, he gets up and thanked me and Darren for all the hard work that we'd done and the owners. And yeah. he, he didn't just get up there and take the credit himself. He, he did share it out with his with his staff. And I remember he took us, we went out for a meal after the LMA awards and he, he bought us all a, a nice steak. So, you know, me and Darren had to save up to buy him some champagne back. <laughs> Terry's final choice now is, uh, well, I'm not sure whether it's battle by Wookiee or Wookiee by battle, but there we go. It's one or the other.
football for a long time at that point could you have ever really believed that that you would be part of a team that actually made it into the championship with Yeovil yeah I mean uh, yes because that was all that's always been the aim I think the aim was always to for me as a player first of all was to get to the Premier League yeah so I mean I was I'm, listen I'm very lucky I mean there's not many clubs that um, go from the conference and then get to one league away from the Premier League mm. and to be able to see every part of the journey yeah and to be and to be part of that has been a blessing and it's been an unbelievable process going the other way has even been a blessing in the process because you know to see where it's come from and where it is and although we're back there now i feel that the journey that the football club's gone on it's given them supporters something that they could never have imagined never even fathomed before that mm. the times of the of the old you know the old leagues that we used to be in and having to be voted up into the league for this football club to have done that and you know a lot of people go sort of unmentioned but people like Maurice O'Donnell mm. Stuart Housley that was here throughout yourself you know we had Mark Lader we had Tony Farmer all of them people that had sort of come through and they stayed with the club for years and years and years and um, you know and although he wasn't as fashion- as fashionable at the end no matter, what, no matter what you say, you know, John Fry is the most successful chairman this club has ever had. And that journey that all of the other chairmen that have tried to do before, he took this club on a roller coaster ride, one away from the, the Premier League. And no one, not any supporters, because there was a lot of supporters that only saw us, you know, when we started winning. Yeah. They didn't know what it was like before. They didn't know what it was like to go to the RMI away. No. You know, and, and, and yeah. to go to Enfield and to go all the years ago where it was only your big occasion was, was once a year with the FA Cup, you know, or the FA Trophy. 
now we got to live the dream every day yeah. and you know him along with uh, Norman Haywood and Jon Goddard Watts as well that um, you know they they put their heart and soul into the football club and they did the best that they could mm. and to have that kind of sustained ability and that sustained progression whilst keeping the club afloat you know was was the way that they done it they didn't put themselves into financial difficulty in the club and the supporters were the ones really, and the players obviously out on the pitch, but was the ones that made the club sustainable and made it achieve the way it did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, they they, 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 they will never take that away from John Fry and Norman Haywood either. It's, it's always going to be there on the record books as to what they did and yeah, how they and did that's, it. And that's the thing. And it's, but when, it, when stuff comes to an end and when, you know, the, the dawn of, let's not make no bones about it. I mean, they're in their 70s, 80s. So, mm. you know, in the end, cultural shifts, social media, um, change, evolution of football, the way that it's going. There's got there's there's a time frame and there's an end to everything, you know. Mm. And I thought there was an end, I thought there was an end to me at one point with being involved with Yeovil's first team. Yeah, and then um, and then it's always going to come to an end. And then at the end of that, when it's finished and when it dies down and when you actually can then reflect and look back on it then you'll see if you've left a legacy. And and there's a lot of people, a lot of the names that I mentioned there from, as I said, from Stuart all the way up to uh, Norman Haywood, they've all left a legacy behind at this football yeah. club. Yeah. And, they'll, and they'll always be remembered no matter what. And um, whether it's good or bad reasons at the end, they was part of a journey that was magical. Yeah, no, it was indeed. And now you find yourself uh, sort of back almost in the firing line in that you're assistant manager and the academy academy head coach um, uh, with, with Darren Sowell. I mean, how are you enjoying life doing that? Yeah, well, you know, I'd sort of moved away because of, first of all, personal reasons. And um, I just, it, it was just one of them things where it was becoming a little bit stale for me at the time. And there's only so many, so many times you can keep going out there and, and, and we was producing the same, it was the same results, really. There was never going to be a change in anything. And um, I remember we had a really good first first two two strokes, three months of the season, uh, but there was still loads of uncertainty. There was this takeover that was happening. Um, I remember um, at the time, I think we'd just beaten Newport and we'd just gone top of the league. And um, yeah, it was, I'd, I'd, I'd done that whole sort of first half of the well first half of the season really and, and, and didn't even have a contract from the football club so yeah. um, I just thought if if there was no sort of real um, offer for me at that point it wasn't really worth staying within the organisation because my time had come to an end if my time uh, wouldn't have come to an end there would have been a contract offer there so um, and I remember I think Darren signed signed one round about Christmas time or just before Christmas and um and with the takeover, I just had a, a, a like a, a feeling that uh, my future wasn't going to be at the football club. So rather than sort of go out like that, I just made a decision and it got close to Christmas. I hadn't missed a, a first team game as a staff member in um, nine and a half years. So miraculously, I've never been ill or never been away, never had any funerals. or And I just needed that little bit of time. So Christmas, I just thought I want to spend Christmas with my my family and the people that are close to me, my partner. And um, I remember just sat up the night before and I was trying to write a note or write a message to the fans. And I remember I was just, every time I'd done a line, I was crying because you actually start reflecting and looking back on what you have achieved. And uh, it was at that time, it was the right time for me to go. I probably should have gone in the summer, if I was totally honest, and tried sort of pastures new. And then, so then I did that. I met the chairman, um, told Darren, met the chairman, 
and then uh, yeah, it was about like a week later. There was a, they needed to fill a role within the academy, and they just said, "Look, would you would you come back and and give something back for the for the community and the local, um, you know, for the local young players?" And yeah. it was an opportunity to come back as a head of coaching, which is help the coaches. And I felt that for the rest of the season, I could you know I could do that to to get to the summer. And then you know, and then and then maybe look to go to go elsewhere at the end of that year, and then that's when you know, unfortunately, it was probably one of the lowest days again where I was with the youth team because the youth team didn't have a manager at the time. We, we'd gone away, we had a really good performance at Luton, so we beat Luton one nil, and then it was the last game, um, or second from last game against Northampton, and we was listening to it on the radio coming back, and from an unbelievable start to then sort of flounder like that and, yeah. and get beat and give up, it was. You know, it, it was the right time. I think a lot of the players, they did. A lot of the players that sort of second half of that season were were not fully behind the badge, um, playing for the football club, and you know it was almost like survival mode. And one one of the most disappointing things was to see how the club um, had become. Absolutely, it, it wasn't from from me being from me being involved right up until you know sort of Darren left. Uh, after that, it was. It was nothing short of a shambles, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, but now it's not. In so much as we've got new owners, we've got a new manager and a decent assistant manager as well. I mean, how do you feel it's going now? Obviously, prior to this pandemic, um, things looked to be going pretty well. I thought. Yeah, I mean, I think the supporters probably felt that it was going to be a bottomless pit because I remember the, 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 before the gaffer came in um, and all the players that was leaving at the time, I was thinking, you know, the. The, the chairman was left with um, a lot of players. Some players had been, you know, been promised stuff that wasn't really there for them, and you know, contract extensions. and And the yeah. chairman had to go through a hell of a lot of stuff to try and sort a load of bits and pieces out. And I was looking, and I was looking across. There was no manager, no assistant. There was no analyst. There was no physio. There was no. It was dead. It was dead over. And I, was, and I yeah. think the supporters felt that, and I felt that. I'm thinking, whoever's going to come in now is. Um, has got probably the biggest job, the biggest rebuilding job that Yeovil Town will ever face. Yeah. And then, unfortunately for me, Darren Soul uh, became the manager. And then um, I got called into a meeting and I'd, I'd come up against Darren a few times uh, when he was at Stevenage, a real fiery character. I remember we all had a, it was like a big fight on the pitch. We had two sent off against them. Um, and it was, but I, li- I, I liked him because he's very similar to, to, to me in certain certain ways and very different in other ways but he just said look I've got no staff in the short term I've got four players that I'm looking to bring in I'm going to release these ones um, obviously you know about the football club Terry you know the history um, I'm going to take you and Darren Betchett from the academy and you're going to work with the first team in the morning and then you can do the academy in the evening so um, until I get the people that I need to get in so I, me and Darren just said, yeah, no problems. And, you know, I think to this day, I, I'm, I still don't know if I'm working for him or not. I think he, he only keeps me around just to have a go at me, and <laughs> shout at me and take the mickey out of me in public. Yeah. <laughs> but well. we've, got, we've, got, we've got an unwritten rule so that he can go 100% on me and hammer me in public, but I can only ever come back at him seven. <laughs> Otherwise, I've got to go back with the youth team. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I mean, so he, you know, he wins a lot. He wins a lot of these arguments at the moment. Put it yeah. that way. But but you know, to be fair, as a, as a partnership, although we had a little bit of a dip around Christmas time, but then we beat Gary, of course, six two, which was quite amazing. Um, 
but but you know basically we you know the, the win at Dover uh, I think we beat Wrexham as well and things were beginning to sort of look as though we were going to come again we were in third or fourth place and, and in a good position really but now who knows what's going to happen yeah I, I think the, the way that he came in he had a very clear vision of what he was trying to bring to the football club his recruitment was was unbelievable a lot of the players that we was trying to chase before somehow he got to this football club I don't know I still don't know how he done it to this day um, but bringing in people like Luke Wilkinson Lee Collins Reese Murphy um, keeping you know when we're lucky enough to keep people like Nelson and that all could have all could have gone yeah. Craig Alcott Carl Dickinson you know and bringing in a real wealth of experience not all at the I feel we would have been at the top of the league if we'd have had them all in at pre-season. Yeah. But because we started two months late, I remember us playing at Barnet and the team looked nothing like how it looked for that second half of the season. Yeah. And I really felt if the Gaffer would have recruited them, the team that we've got now, uh, we'd have been top of the league. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't. We had uh, we had a little blip with some injuries and, and people coming out, but then... You know, he, he sort of spiked it up again and, and made sure that uh, we, we was firing on all cylinders. And, yeah, we were just coming into that little bit of form. And, uh, you know, the way that he works, all, when, when we turn up, it's, it's full. It's full on. Yeah. And everyone, you know, kicking lumps out of each other. And we've got some real good, we've got some good characters and some people that they hate losing more than they like winning. And I always found that was a bit, that was very similar to myself. When, when I won a game, I wouldn't bother about the game after that but when I lost hmm. it sits on me for two or three days a week afterwards yeah. and we've got a lot of players people like Charlie Lee Lee Collins you know they're, they're real sort of harsh bad losers yeah. and um, that's what we've been missing in recent years that, them types of characters so you know uh, we, we've gone sort of full circle now um, and and yet the Oval Town adventure for Terry Skiverton carries on I mean <laughs> can you see it carrying on forever? No. <laughs> no, I can't. But listen, all I can say is that I, I, I really enjoy working for the gaffer. Uh, um, and listen, I've enjoyed working for every manager that's been at this football club. But for me to come back and for the club to be in the position that it is, um, for there to have been someone that's actually caught the ball, because this club could have struggled. I remember Leighton Orient first coming into the, the conference and Steve Davis coming in, and I remember they were flirting with relegation before, God rest his soul, Justin Edinburgh took over. Yeah. And um, it, this, it, this could have been a horror story if it was put into the wrong hands. And I felt, you know, uh, it was one of the last decisions I think uh, the chairman, John Fry, had made. And with Scott coming in, I think that transition of manager was vitally important. Yeah. And, um, you know, with, with, with the new chairman, Scott Priestnell, coming in and his vision of how he wants the club to move forward... Um, it, it just brought a whole new impetus with the supporters. I remember that. I remember uh, the chairman's first game, Scott's first game, which was solid hole away, and the anticipation of the supporters and the crowd and Luke Wilkinson going in goal for the last ten. That sort of galvanised us and galvanised the football club. And the clubs wanted change for you know I would say the last four or five years. And um, I mean three years, three three or four years, the clubs wanted change throughout from top to bottom. And a lot of people have been very vocal on that. And the club's got that now. And now there's no excuses from outside influences, other people apart from getting behind the new vision, getting behind, you know, with belief that we can win things again. And the journey's got to start again. That's that's the way that we're looking at it. And the manager hasn't come here for a holiday. He's, he's a worker and he grafts and he'll be here all morning 
all afternoon and all night is with the academy. So, you know, football's his life and he wants to win. And I know that the owner wants to win as well. And that is when you've got that kind of team that's behind the scenes that really does drive everything else within the football club. Well, look, Terry, thanks very, very much for being so frank and so honest. And it's been, it's been, you know, quite emotional for me at times when you, when we talk about all these things. And, you know, I'd like to say I've worked with you for 15, 20 years. I don't know, it's a long time. And uh, it's always been a pleasure working with you. It's been great doing this uh, interview for the for the radio this afternoon. So thanks very much for that, mate. Really appreciate it. No problem. Cheers, H. Top thanks, man. Thanks, Terry. What can you say? That was Terry Skiverton. That was virtually his life story. Great servant to Yeovil Town. Thanks for joining us, Terry. And to all our listeners, please join us again next week. No space to win in this town. You're out of luck. And the reason that you had to care, the traffic is stuck. And you're not moving anywhere. Thought you found a friend to take you out of this place. Someone you can lend a hand in return for grace. So-